we all use those products to start off being amazing when the company is like five developers just building what makes sense to them. And they grow up and through failures of leadership, they just end up with bloated product teams of people that don't understand the work of developers who are allowed to boss around their engineers. The term like, like when you hear PMs and people saying, my engineers, my team, it's just, it grates me like crazy. You have this culture of misdirection towards getting towards the product and it hurts developer experience. It hurts building a genuine product. Want to know how the world's smartest engineers are proving their dev team's connection to the business bottom line? Or how they keep a lead cycle time while minimizing dev burnout and maximizing retention? These are just two of the topics leaders from Slack, Shopify, and Stripe will tackle at Interact on October 25th. A free, virtual, community-driven engineering leadership conference, Interact is a one-day event with more than 25 of the most respected minds in software engineering, all selected by the thousands of engineering leaders in the Dev Interrupted community. If you are a developer, team lead, VP, or CTO looking to improve your team, this is the conference for you. Go to devinterrupted.com slash interact to register free today. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dev Interrupted. I'm your host, Dan Lines, and today I'm joined by Sam Lambert, CEO of PlanetScale. Sam, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Awesome to have you on here. You've had a really successful career working at places like Facebook and GitHub, where you were the VP of engineering. You ran a team of 350 people. Through it all, you've been called an oracle of pragmatism, coolest name ever, for your ability to identify what you call sensible tech and stick to it. In fact, you've said that most successful companies are boring. So that's where I want to start us out today. I think you have a little story about your time at GitHub. Some of the pages were trafficked by tons and tons of people, but maybe, you know, only running on a few servers or something like that. What do you got for us? So, we, you know, GitHub was a very pragmatic company when it came to our tech. The majority of what people think of as GitHub is a Ruby on Rails app talking to a MySQL database, and then servers that store Git. And we tried to keep it very, very simple. The story there is that, you know, GitHub Pages, the actual product that hosted millions and millions of individual developers' websites, for the longest time ran on two servers that ran Nginx with a multi-million line config file. And and at one point, I think the page, um, GitHub.io domain name was like, GitHub.com was the 40th most traffic site in the world, and GitHub Pages was like the 100th. And so we were running a top 100 site off of two servers, essentially, because we allowed people to build static sites, and we deployed it really, really simply. And we had this culture in the early days of being pragmatic and only really building what is necessary to iterate, ship, and get stuff done. And not overcomplicating things. And we had to shut out a lot of noise. It was like microservices and like over-architecture and all these kinds of things that people were obsessing over. And we just kept it ridiculously simple. And we managed to take, you know, the site to the scale of 70 million users. We're running plain old MySQL, a bit of the test and Ruby on Rails. And it really taught me a lot of lessons about the power of pragmatism and how quickly you can ship. And when we, when we started a plan scale, we did the same thing. Plan scale is a Rails app. People talk to us all the time. I was talking to a customer the other day and they were like, by the way, you ship faster than any other product we bought. Why is that? And I was like, you know, again, it's 
the combo of Ruby on Rails and MySQL and a bit of magic in just iterating super quickly. So yeah, very, I'm obsessed with pragmatism and keeping things simple and understanding the minimal viable thing that needs to be done. Yeah, that's amazing. Is that GitHub where you got your name, the Oracle? I mean, if you're the Oracle of anything, that sounds, I don't care what you're the Oracle of. Where did that come from? I don't know. This is new to me. It's nice how people are calling me some, some form of Oracle. I mean, uh, you, I try and you be made it impress. Somebody, somebody, I, I affected somebody out there, which feels, you know, great. Yeah, you, you brought up a really, I think, interesting point when you started talking about planet scale, actually. And you talked about delivery or momentum or how fast you're able to ship. Can you give yeah. us like a few more insights about that and how it relates to, you know, some of that simplicity that you were talking about from an engineering perspective? It starts with culture. Our engineering team has a great culture. Fantastic people. I can't take credit, any credit for that shipping. It's, it's, they do so much intentional work, whether it's cultural or technical, to keep that going. You have to have an almost dissatisfaction with things slowing down and things getting in your way. And we have people in the engineering team that kind of, rather than want to astronaut big, long running products, uh, projects, they want to, they just want to get something out there and iterate on it. And we just think to ourselves, like, how do we de-scope something? How do we boil something down to its essence so that you can get something out there in front of users, get the feedback and iterate? And I read like competitors blog posts about how they built something. It's like they started with this giant vision for this thing and just slowly ground towards it without truly knowing that it was something that would be good or useful or viable for their users. We take the opposite. Like our back end is incredibly stable, incredibly robust, and has supported some of the largest sites on the internet. So we, we, we don't, we're not fast and loose with the back end, the thing that serves the queries. But when it comes to the, like the product, the automation, and the final experience, we are experimental. We, we build quickly, we push quickly, and it, it comes down to a lot of our culture and just the way we are and what we, what we build and just being dissatisfied. Yeah, you, you know, you also spent some time at Facebook, which from my understanding essentially runs on PHP, MySQL. Is that where you picked up the this pragmatism, these sensible, you know, type decisions? Like, where, where did you gain that from? So I was, I was a short student at Facebook, and I wouldn't say I gained it there. I think I really, it really became clear to me at GitHub was probably where it had the most effect on me. But Facebook definitely, yeah. So they've done a lot to make PHP scale. They've done a lot to make MySQL scale. But essentially, yeah, those are some of the fundamental technologies. And for a long time, Facebook had the motto of move fast and break things. It's now move fast with stable infrastructure. But they still have this spirit, which is opposite. Like it's very different to other sort of fan companies. They still have this very scrappy culture of, of building and, and getting going and moving and they still continue to iterate really quickly like i was there when the pandemic started and they wanted to do like group video calls and that most companies like that would be a half a year a year like they zuck said let's do this six weeks later it was shipped to three and a half billion users i mean that's just incredible yeah. work at that scale deploying across millions of machines and and like, and at just huge scale, 
And again, it just comes back to that scrappy hacker culture and being fundamentally being hackers. And you're always reminded, even the street that headquarters, Facebook's headquarters are on, is hack away, right? It's just, it's always about hacking and, and being scrappy and moving forward, even at a huge scale. And that is the opposite of a lot of other cultures that don't move fast and don't build things for their users. Right. I mean, we might use Google, possibly, as, you know, a different type of, I mean, we, we've had a few people from Google on here, amazing, super, super smart, always thinking about scale, right? Always having scale on the mind, but maybe not as much as the move fast and break things type mentality. How would you compare these two different mindsets or, or is it really a blend? So I love Google. I mean, Google's built amazing things. But as an end user, it is frustrating how things slowly, like Google Calendar, like, I mean, it hasn't gotten better. Same with Google Docs. I mean, things move just painfully slowly. I think, I think if you read about their, their SRE culture and their culture in general, I don't think there's any gradient in their minds between ship something small to a small amount of people and it's going to be the next Google search. Like right. it's, it's either at scale or it's not. And even you hear about, like, I, I knew the guy that worked on a bunch of their internal apps, and even the app they use to book massages at their offices has to run in three data centers. So it's over, it's architectured more robustly than most primary companies' apps. And that just doesn't feel pragmatic to me. That doesn't, you know, there's one way of doing most things at Google because there is just this ingrained sense that everything is at scale. And that means things move so much more slowly because you have to get it on into the big, shipped into the mothership. Right. Even though it, it could just get killed next week. Right. And from a developer standpoint, I mean, there's a ton of talk now about developer experience, developer toil, all, all that type of things. And what do developers want to do? They want to merge their code. They want to ship their code. So a lot of the people uh, that are out there, talented people, I would think tend to go towards that, okay, am I working at a place or I'm at, at you know, maybe I'm at a, a company like Planet Scale that's able to move quickly. This is amazing. But you also have to keep quality in mind. How do you start thinking about that? You're like blending those two aspects together. We want to move fast, but, you know, maybe we don't want to break everything. I think you can move fast without sacrificing quality. When it comes to scope, right, you can reduce what you're doing and do it well and do it at high quality. It's one way of doing it. But I think it's it, a lot of it comes from what happens when you're not programming, right? Like, how are decisions made? Like, does someone, like, people are planning, like, we shipped a feature last week. I love this feature. Okay, so a common thing people do is they drop tables from their database, right? You want to clear up some data. You're not using this table anymore. You want to get rid of it. And a very common source of outages is people thinking they've cleaned up all of the code that's accessing that table, but they haven't. And they drop the table and it goes wrong. I've closed this out. I've done this. You know, we've all done this. So we ship this feature that warns you when you're about to drop a table, when you're about to deploy your schema, I plan to you deploy schemas as if it was code. Again, very oriented around shipping. It warns you if that table has been queried recently and tells you you're probably going to break those queries if you drop this table. We, awesome. should, we should that feature in a day because developers felt empowered to wake up and say, I want to ship this today. And 
they, they knew who to talk to, the decision was made, and it just got done. And most companies, you'd have to write a project documentation and talk to the stakeholders and like try and pitch your bosses who don't have a clue how computers work anymore and try and explain it and then talk to a product manager and convince them. And like, but if you can keep it light and everyone up the management chain knows the value of this, the innate value, they understand the product, they understand what we're here to do, you can move so fast. So we shipped it one day. We, so we built it one day that overnight they created a quick blog post to get it ready. The marketing team picked that up. The design team designed a header for it within an hour and boom, features out in two days. Yeah. Database, no other database company shipped that quickly with that level of quality. It starts with having great people and it starts with those people feeling they understand the, what it takes to get stuff done. At most companies, it is this unnavigatable, like Rube Goldberg machine of process and mess and stroking egos of people that feel they have to be informed and involved. And you have to drive that out of your culture. Well, there's a few interesting things there. I mean, the first thing that you brought up is having your engineers feel like they can make a decision with the product. They know it's a good decision. They understand the product. They understand that it will save developers time. Like you're saying, we've all been through that scenario. So it's kind of like a no-brainer thing to do. But it's also, it's all of that with a combination of, you know, for example, you being the CEO, like, okay, does Sam have to know, does Sam have to sign off on this? No, just move forward. So what I see is like a, it's a, a little bit of both there, some culture, but also engineers, good decision-making with the product. Right. Exactly. They showed me that we're going to do it. I was like, hell yeah, it's amazing. Boom. Oh, it's done. They knew I'd love it, right? Because we make it very clear what we're here to do. The mission of our plans is very clear. And that's how you build good developer experiences. You empower developers. We all use those products to start off being amazing when the company is like five developers just building what makes sense to them. And they grow up and through failures of leadership, they just end up with bloated product teams of people that don't understand the work of developers who are allowed to boss around their engineers, the term like, like when you hear PMs and people saying, my engineers, my team, it's just, it grates me like crazy. You have this, you kind of have this culture of misdirection towards getting towards the product and it hurts developer experience. It hurts building a genuine product. We obsess over the developers that use our product and the people that build it to make sure they're building things that make sense for them. Yeah. When you're thinking about, you know, you're building a product for developers, do you have any, uh, I guess I would call them principles or tenants? Like, for example, the feature that you just said was super obvious. You know, I love it because I know it will save time for developers. Some, any developer that's using this, they're going to get time back. Do you have any way of kind of like thinking about what would be good for a developer? No, we just... You know, we know what developers want. We are developers. We don't write. We haven't like written down our kind of manifesto of what we t think it takes to build this stuff. It's like taste. I mean, you can't really sum it up. You either have it, you know it or you don't, right? You look at it and it feels right or it doesn't feel right. And it's more like we have people that we know have good taste and are proven. And the way we build things kind of ensures that we spend that time thinking about it. So our product design team are very technical. They, they code, they build the kind of the basic versions of what we're going to build. And they are, again, unreasonable enough. So like you, you'll see this kind of 
negotiation of like the backend engineers will produce how a feature works and the front end kind of product designers will be like, well, I mean, does it need to be this many steps? How do we fit that into this? And it's like, well, no, it doesn't actually have to be. And we kind of refine it and ground it down to the simple story we want to tell our users and the flow we want them to go through. And you kind of put it together. And, and developer experience is a real buzzword now. And people think they get it. It's just like, it's how everyone, it used to be like you were only cool if you had an API or whatever. And then people would just ship an API. And they didn't know why and see APIs for just random tools. And everyone wants to try and do it, but it's, unless you know, you know, right? I think it's, you have to, it just has to be part of culture and you have to value taste and you have to give people with those roles a seat at the table and listen to them and empower them. Yeah. When it, when it comes down to it for you, I hear it's a lot about the people and the DNA and the people that you're bringing in and you talk about taste or having a good instinct. Hey, this is something I would use, or this is something that you know, really hurt me in the past, something like that. And we know that, you know, you're also very into being pragmatic. So how do you build teams that are passionate about being pragmatic at your company? I think it goes with the technical choices you make. If you try, if you build a culture that just wants to mess around with the new hotness, unproven, whatever tech then your culture reflects that and then pragmatism's out the window. If you build on a stack that is probatic from default, you attract people that want to do that, right? Like generally, if they kind of pick mature tooling and have worked at places that have done so, they, they probably come with that, that knowledge, but we definitely test for it. In, you know, in GitHub with our interviews, we used to ask people to build solutions as part of the interview and it was you know sometimes people would just roll up with a simple shell script and that was sometimes just the right answer or some people would build this heavily abstracted kind of mess and 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 you'd know that they were they were not right for the the role you kind of just sense it out it's also partly what you reward like what gets you your bonus or your pay rise at performance review process if it is someone building demoware that's all like a big mess around project that has no impact and you, and that person gets rewarded for that. It reflects in the rest of the culture. Like people, you know, joke at these fan companies that you have to do some, you know, build a build system at Google or whatever to get recognized or, you know, implement some paper or write some paper. If you reward that, that's how it happens. If you reward people shipping, measuring the impact of the shipping and moving the needle for the company and you reward that, then it reinforces and it becomes this kind of virtuous cycle. What we do at Planet Scale is our head of HR, at the end of every review period, she analyzes all of the reviews and picks the traits that the people who exceeded expectations, we only aim for less than 10% of the company can exceed expectations. If you have masses of the company exceeding expectations, then it doesn't mean anything. It has to be truly special. Yeah. It's only a, we're only a 95 person company. So nine people, give or take, can get that rating. So really, there's only one or two from every org or team or whatever. And she analyzes what traits and behaviors they exhibited that got them into that, into that position. And she writes it up and posts it for the whole company. 
So essentially, the company gets an overall report of what we valued and what we saw in the performance review process that got the highest rated people their ratings. Does that mean we then reinforce our types of behavior and it helps become part of the culture? Yeah, totally makes sense to me. I mean, a lot of the companies that, you know, we're working with, they are valuing shipping now. How often are we able to merge? How often are, are we shipping? It's actually something that is, you know, measured. And I love that you have that reinforcement within your culture coming from HR. That, that's incredible. It's why our product looks the way it does, by the way. Our obsession with shipping. When we came out to market. Tell me about that. No database, no database company had ever done branching. We were the first company to do data branching or deploy requests for deploying your schema. PlanetScale acts almost like GitHub when it comes to deploying your schema. Schema changes get in the way of shipping at every company. Some features of GitHub would take 22 schema migrations done over the course of like a month or two months to get something into production. When we interview users and we talk to developers and companies, their biggest pain are schema changes. In fact, one of my wife's friends, he was saying with us, and he's a product manager at a company, and he said, what's, you know, what's your product do? And I talked to him about schema changes, and he was like, oh, schema changes. They are the number one reason I get told our products are delayed from our engineers. So we went to solve the problems with schema changes first, and you can deploy your schema fully online, no downtime, no locking, and you can also reverse it. You can undeploy your schema without data loss. And so we're really the first database that's ever been able to truly get into the DevOps workflow. Like everyone else's okay. databases are just this big blob of state that everyone creeps around and doesn't like want to touch. We could, we push five, six schema changes a day as we push and build stuff. And you just don't think about it. And that's the number one feedback we get from our customers is, my God, we're shipping so much faster. Developers just, they don't even talk to infrastructure people to get schema changes done anymore. They just push them into production and hit merge and they know it's going to work. They just walk away. So that's why we focused on that. And no other company had tried to do that before. And that's what makes us really, really special is most, like, we have the most scalable database out there. We've proven that with Slack and YouTube and GitHub that use the backend of our technology. But we also obsess over the daily lives of developers. Everyone else is just thinking about DBAs or backend folks, and they're thinking about the guts of it. And we, we've gone a level above that and thought about everyone who has to use this thing. Yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing example. You've said something in the past, like until the last couple of years, it's either been you can focus on scale or you could focus on velocity, but you can't do it at the same time. And now that's changing. Can you talk to us about how that's changing? And then also a few more examples with planet scale. Yeah, it's kind of a moment in time, really, where so with developer experience, it starts with things being approachable like easy to use, easy to get going, but it's only maintained with the, with the technology actually being able to scale. If you can't scale, then developer experience just falls, falls down, right? Like it's all good that cars are fast, but they have to be safe. Otherwise, they betray the user in the end. And so historically in the world of databases, you either had something that was quick and easy to get going, but was ultimately a toy and would, would drop data and wouldn't scale, so then you lose the, the most precious middle growth years of your business 
replacing your database, which is just hell. Nobody wants to do that. Or you start with the scalable databases that are out there that are much slower to use. And I don't mean slowest in terms of query performance. I mean to build against and iterate against. So it was an either or choice. And both were kind of wrong. <laughs> you know, you, we all talk about like getting the job done right for the tool for the job. You shouldn't over-architect. You should just use what makes sense for you and your teams. But thanks to PlanetScale and this moment in time, that moment in time comes from the back end of PlanetScale is Vitesse, which is the open source project that we maintain. It was built at YouTube and open source. It was YouTube's main database. Everything you see of YouTube.com, comments, counts, everything was stored in Vitesse. It was then open source and adopted by Slack, Square, Roblox, all of Etsy, all of these companies who have then contributed, and GitHub, and that's how I got to know the technology, have contributed back to make it better. So we have this incredibly scalable backend. There's no other database out there that you can buy that isn't kind of Spanner or on some specific cloud that you would be stuck on for the rest of your life. There's no other database out there that scales and is proven to scale to the degree we can. And there's no other database that's quicker to get going and build and iterate against. So it's really is just this, this moment of time where the trade-off no longer exists, which is very exciting. The lives of developers are about to change for the better, and listeners of Dev Interrupted are getting early access. Gitstream is the free, revolutionary tool that allows developers to focus more on the craft of code and less on things like toil, rework, and bottlenecks. When Linear B found that 50% of each development cycle was spent on PR idle time, we knew something had to change. We realized CICD alone wasn't enough. We need to shift even farther left to fix the PR process with continuous merge, and we're doing that with Gitstream. With Gitstream, we can solve the PR idle time problem, ship code faster, and make us all happier as developers. To get your early access to Gitstream, Dev Interrupted listeners can sign up at gitstream.cm. That's G-I-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot C-M. You mentioned a few interesting features that allow a developer to build and uh, iterate against the database. Is there anything else that's, you know, unique in terms of working with the database and moving fast with the database, not from a query perspective that you'd like to highlight? Rewind. I think plant scale rewind is a thing that means that you shouldn't be scared of your database anymore. It's so funny. When we did user interviews at the beginning, the word fear came up, like fear, the people are fearful, like scared of their database. Yeah. It came up a ridiculous amount. Like no developer raised their hand to go and like modify the database because when you get it wrong, it's danger. Things go very wrong. It's yeah. danger. At, at best, it's downtime when something goes wrong. At worst, it's, it's data loss. Both of those things are terrible. There's loss of reputation, loss of business, loss of trust. And so no one wants to do it. But Plasco Rewind, which is proprietary to us, gives you the ability to literally rewind the schema chain. So you can go and drop a column. For example, you imagine you think you've cleaned up this model and you don't need that column anymore. You go in and you drop it. So you do a deploy, just like on GitHub where you do a pull request. It rolls into production. We drop the column. It's gone. Suddenly you're seeing errors. What would you do in a normal scenario right now? You would like, you'd be paging people. You'd be trying to restore from a backup. That's going to take forever. Like that's not quick. You have to restore onto a different machine. 
You have to wait for the backup. Then you have to pull it. Like you maybe add the column back that's empty. So the query stop failing, but now that's getting filled up and the backup has a different copy of the data. Like chaos is happening right now while this is going on. At power scale, you press the rewind button and within one second, that column is back and all of the data that's happened in between those two periods is there. We create a replication loop from the old version of the table from the new version without the column. So we ensure this continual loop and that there's no data missing and you come back. So what would be hours of downtime is now a second blip of some queries failing. End of story. And that to me is incredible. I have lived through that downtime scenario more times than I would like to remember. And so has every DBA, so has every backend engineer. We've all done this. And the fact we've reduced that now to a single button press is amazing to me. I feel, I just love it. And so that's, you know, it's that kind of thing that we're really working on to make it super easy to be managing and, and shipping and building against the database. I love that. Gives a lot of confidence back. Nobody likes that panic moment or the fear factor. Even when you were just telling that story, my heart was racing because it's it's not a fun moment to go through. So I really love that. Yeah. You know, the, the last area here, here, Sam, just, you know, to get a few of your thoughts, what's going on with the serverless movement? Yeah, serverless is a really great movement. At first, I was cynical to it, like, you know, being a grumpy a grumpy old person being like, of course there is servers. I mean, what's this about? I mean, yes, there is servers, but I really thought about it and servers, serverless is a rebellion against how complicated and gross cloud and SaaS software has become. Before I came to PlantScale, I went and looked at the so-called competitors and what they did. And like one of the darlings at the time, I logged in, I set up my account. Well, first of all, I got automated messaging from their sales team immediately trying to get me on a call. That that was itself annoying. But I had to select how many nodes I wanted in a cluster, how many vCPUs I needed, how much memory I needed, what region, what cloud. I, they made me fill out a form to just get a database. And if I've got the idea for the next stripe in my head, why do I need to care about this stuff? Like what you are supposed to take, you're, you're, a high-priced piece of SaaS software, shouldn't you be taking this away from me? Like, if you're doing Dropbox, if you drag a file into Dropbox, it doesn't ask you how many storage nodes you want that to be placed on for high availability. It'd be insane from a consumer product. But why do we stand for it in cloud technologies like SaaS, SaaS products? And service for me is a movement that is really thinking about what is the core and essential job to be done of these products and how do you deliver that without the bloat, without the abstract, like without leaking senseless abstractions to the users? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a really good way uh, to describe it. But I love about the conversation that we have had here, Sam. I can tell that you have the right mindset when you're building your company, the technology that you're building, moving fast, shipping fast you know, re reducing these annoying things and also scary things that are happening over and over again. Highly appreciate what you're doing here. If someone wants to get started with Planet Scale, how can we do it? Hit up planetscale.com. 
sign up, get going. Within seconds, you will have a database available to you. You can start putting your data and your schema in. If you are an Amazon RDS user, you can migrate to PlanScale fully online. We can attach your RDS instance. We can pull the data in, no dumping data, no messing around. We will fully bring it in. You can deploy your app to point to us. We will proxy the connection back to RDS. You hit the switch button, we will switch places, and you will be fully online migrated. We have customers who just migrate in without a second of downtime, which, I mean, when have you been able to do that with a database migration? So you can get going and move super fast, and you can get online, and just get on client scale, start building things of your dreams. Awesome. So everyone listening, definitely check out planetscale.com. I also want to say thank you to the more than 3,000 of you who are now subscribed to our weekly interruption newsletter. We bring you articles from the community, inside information, and weekly pods, and the first look at Interact 3.0 on October 25th. If you haven't already been to Interact, definitely recommend it. It's a ton of fun. It's free. It's all online. You can register today. Of course, we'll have any of the uh, interesting information in the description and the links below. And Sam, again, thank you for coming on here and having the right mindset of what we need to do around databases. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Really enjoyed our conversation. 